Hi. What an honor to be here. And um, like Dan said, I've got a lot of stories. Just hit me up on Instagram and I'll send some photos. But I want to show one right now because I was going through my scrapbook and trying to just recall when I actually interned under his leadership 20 years ago. This is a picture of my scrapbook that I made because you all know that was cool 20 years ago. I don't know if we still do this now. And um, I won the best clean room award when I was living there. There's a picture of their cats. This is, this is who they were. Anyway, um, I love Dan and Carolina. Dan's an incredible leader. He's taught me a lot just about servant leadership. And it's just so cool to see your guys' church, which, by the way, is my first time ever in Washington. I have to confess. Yes, it's amazing. It's beautiful. But I have to confess, and please do not hate me. I, before yesterday, I was calling it Spokane. I didn't know, I'm just, I'm sounding it out. Like, I apologize, I ask for you guys, I repent, please forgive me. Um, but it's Mother's Day weekend, and I am just honored to be here. I'm a mother, and, and some of you are mothers, and it's just an incredible uh, blessing, and it's also difficult. And I want to tell you that I'm here to celebrate mothers, but I also know that this is a day of incredible ache for some of you, and I hold that space with you. Um, today is just as much for you as it is for anyone um, here in these seats. And just so you know, mothering is kind of a quality of God. Okay, so we are made in God's image. And so mothering is not just having bio children or adopted children or furry babies. It's about mothering and, and nurturing and caring for those who are around us. Mothering is a part of God's nature. So whether that's mothering your younger coworkers, or that's the neighborhood kids, or it's the children that are in your home, or the grown-ups that have left your home, we celebrate you today. Um, you are amazing. Um, so a little bit about me. Like Dan said, my name's Bree, and I am so glad he didn't share any embarrassing stories about me, by the way, because 20 years ago, it was kind of a mess. We'll get to that later. But here's a picture of my family. Um, married to a guy named Jake. Aren't they cute? I'm a boy mom. I've got two sons, Brody and Deacon. Brody is nine. He's my mini-me. I kind of you know, like cloned myself. He looks just like me. And Deacon is seven. Jake cloned himself. Jake and I met because we were in a ska band together in Orange County, California. Wanted to be no doubt so bad. That didn't work out. So now I'm preaching. I'm just kidding. God has placed me here. I have no idea how I got here, but I'm so blessed to be here. Um, so, and we just got a new puppy named Milo. So Milo is about 11 weeks old. He's a Zushan, little teddy bear dog. My boys have been asking Santa for two years now. So we uh, actually said, no, mommy and daddy want to get you a puppy. So he's our new addition right now. And I'm a puppy mom, which is so, so fun. But art family pictures cute and fun. And they're so great to celebrate like, hey, this is our family in this period of time. Let me show you one that was one of my most favorite Christmas postcards that I've ever had this one, 2015. My boys were two and three. And can I just tell you a little bit about the backstory of this photo? Okay. 
Moms, you know what I'm talking about. We gotta get the matching outfits. By the way, I don't know if I said that. I said I you know, met my husband in Southern California. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. It is really hot. And we take our Christmas photos in October when it's 120 degrees. And so you dress like it's winter, but then you're pretending like, you know, you're sweating and it's crazy. So we have the whole plan. I've got the matching outfits. I've got the plan of like, I'm gonna make this the most beautiful, perfect family postcard we've ever had. And we get to the site, we pick the location, it took me a while to decide even where we were gonna do this. We get over there, we're arrived, my photographer, Stacy, she's there. We pick up, we start like looking at locations. We took a couple of photos and then Brody, my three-year-old, just got really excited about running in the opposite direction of us. <laughs> running as far as he could from us so that he just thought it was funny. He's actually running like this, looking back to the point where he ran so hard he hit some uneven pavement and uh, landed on his head, skid on his head and had like a strawberry on the top of his head, screaming and crying, red, beat red face. And I'm like, this is it, it's over. I stressed about these dang outfits, I had this plan, and now what am I gonna do? My Christmas is ruined. And my photographer goes, no, 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 there's this thing, it's called Photoshop. No worries, we're gonna be fine. You let him chill for a second. We'll do some couples photos, right? Like you and Jake wanna take some photos together. So we did some couples photos. But, but before we did that, what are we gonna do with the two-year-old? Moms, what do you do to entertain your two-year-old? You give them the cell phone and you let them watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. No shame. So I handed Deacon the cell phone and uh, we let him watch whatever he wanted to. Brody calmed down. Jake and I got some awesome pictures. And then the photographer said, hey, let's look at some of these on the camera. Are these, are you happy with these? I'm like, no, I'm not happy. My hair looks weird. I don't like that bulge in my, you know, side. I don't like what I'm wearing. Like, this is wrinkled. It's not perfect. And so we got to take some more. And she goes, okay, cool. Let's take some more. I got to get the cell phone from my two-year-old. So I ripped the phone out of Deacon's hands. And then that happened crying, so I got my second child is now crying. And she goes, no, no, let's just, just squeeze together. We're gonna get the perfect photo. I promise Photoshop is amazing. Just squeeze together. And I'm like, I'm squeezing like I'm going to kill my children. And uh, I, I am, I'm just almost crying, my eyes are closed. And, and let me just show you the most angelic postcard again. This is what we got. This is what we got. I don't know if you notice, Brody on the top, his forehead is photoshopped. There's no red mark on there. Deacon, can you see his hands? He's not praying or asking God for more. There was a photoshopped phone out of his hands. We gave it back. <laughs> Brody is not lovingly reaching for Deacon. He wants the phone too, he's three years old. I have my eyes closed because I will I brought you into this world and I will take you out. <laughs> but I didn't tell anybody the backstory of this photo. I printed it and I sent it off. I might have sent Dan and Carolina one. And, and this was my perfect family. And ladies, gentlemen, this is not real life. This is a photograph. And you know what was so sad? I was in a mentor mom's group. I had a mentor mom and she had said, Brie, go back to that photographer. I know you're really angry about this photo session and how hard it was but you're gonna want that unedited photo. 
you're gonna want that so bad. So I went back to Stacy and I said, do you have the unedited version? Cause she photoshopped and photoshopped and photoshopped to make it look like that. And she goes, Brie, it's gone. I had erased reality. I didn't want anyone to know that we have trouble. I tried to pretend like we had it all together and that is not real life. And it's such a bummer because um, it was a sweet memory now, you know, six years later. And I don't have that anymore. Anyway, I have a story to share with you all. And I just want to talk to you today about life. Mother's life is hard. Father's life is hard. People here, life is hard. And John 16, says, in this world, this is Jesus talking, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I want to just start there. But we're going to get into the word right now um, even deeper. If you have a Bible, open it to Mark chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible to, to scroll or with pages, we're going to show this on the screen. Um, Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Let's get into our study for today. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. So let's stop right there. Jesus was popular. He was kind of a celebrity. In his ministry time, as he was going from town to town, people were hearing about him. Not just he's healing people and doing miracles, but like he's teaching radical things on love and forgiveness, which no one had ever heard before. People were hearing more. And they grew up learning that you had to sacrifice for your sins to be worthy of God, that you were never good enough. And Jesus came and had all these things he was saying. Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, I will give you rest. He was saying these things, so he drew a crowd, and there were people that wanted to be near him and follow him around, and so Jairus has troubles in his life, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, my daughter is dying, please help. And as they continue, check this out, verse 25, or yeah, verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she'd spent everything she had to pay them. But she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. We're going to focus on her today. I like focusing on women. This is our day. This woman had trouble. Jairus had trouble. This woman had trouble. Sometimes we can read the Bible, by the way, and we can forget that these are real people's stories that are recorded. Like, this is not a fairy tale. This is not just an allegory. This is, I want you to think about this woman a little bit deeper. Like, she's your friend, or she's your coworker, or she's your sister who has an ailment that has not gone away for 12 years. And maybe that's, maybe that's something you can relate to. Maybe you do have a friend or a sister who has gone through hopelessness, who has gone through something, experienced a long period of suffering with depression or infertility or anxiety or addiction. And you're just watching this going, how long, Lord? Or maybe this is you. Long period of suffering. You've been battling something for years and you've tried everything and it's so frustrating and hard to feel normal. This woman had been bleeding for 12 years and if you know anything on the background of the time then, 
She's a social outcast because if you're bleeding, you were, you were unclean. Nobody could associate with you. Nobody could come near you or touch you because then you'd be unclean. And so you weren't able, she wasn't able to interact with society or with any of the religious ceremonies. Um, people believed that, that she was going to put a curse on them. And so they believed that something in her life was so sinful that this was God punishing her. And so she was an outcast. And then it says she's so desperate that she reaches out to doctors for help. And as she reaches out to these doctors, no one can fix her. It says she actually gets worse. So these doctors are profiting from her. She has trusted everyone. She's shown everyone who she is, and she's been outcasted, and she's gotten more in despair. When I first met Dan and Carolina, when I first met them, I was physically and emotionally not well. I came to do an internship under Dan's leadership, but what I was really trying to do was escape my life. Because at the time, I was engaged to be married to a guy who decided he wasn't in love with me anymore and told me that he uh, didn't see a future with me. And I later found out he was actually cheating on me with somebody he met on the internet. And it was at the same time that when I was preparing for this marriage with him, I was going to counseling for sexual abuse as a child, because I wanted a healthy marriage and I needed to get healed. And all of a sudden I wasn't fun anymore. And he checked out and he left. And I became so depressed, like my future was shattered. And I don't know if any of you, especially you young ones in the audience, you think about your future, right? You think about the book of your future, your life, and you kind of write the chapter titles. Maybe your parents even write it for you. Like, you know, Brie graduates college, and Brie gets married, and Brie has kids, and Brie, you know, lives in this amazing, you know, passionate, adventure-filled life. And, and then she dies in her sleep, like really beautiful story. And I was in this space of just grief. I lost like 30 pounds. I couldn't get off the couch. I understood suicidal thoughts because I just knew, I just was crying so much. I just never wanted to wake up and deal with reality. And in this moment, I'd gone to a college retreat that Dan was preaching at. And um, I just said, hey, I am in the middle of a lot. I need to do an internship for college. That's kind of one of the things I need to check off. Do you take interns? And I, I said, we haven't ever had what you're asking before, but we'll bring you on. And I moved eight hours from my hometown and escaped. And it was where I actually heard from God. It was when I actually really understood who I was in him as I spent that time focusing on him. But struggling, life has pain. I wish we could avoid it. The woman in the scripture here says she was bleeding for 12 years, and so she was physically limited, and she was alone. And you know what? I always think about who she was 12 years prior. Like, who was this woman? Maybe she was a boss lady. Maybe she was a pillar in her community. And all of a sudden, that changed, completely shattered, taken from her, betrayal, loss. Let's pick up in our scripture, verse 27. It says, she heard about Jesus, so she came behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. I think this is a statement, this is a statement of belief. This is a statement of faith. He's not the town celebrity to her. 
he sees, she's heard about him, and she realizes this is my savior. I can put my trust in him. Look at all these other people who have put their trust in him and he hasn't failed. If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. I believe this. Verse 29 says, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Hold on a minute. Do you ever think Jesus didn't know who touched his robe? Like the son of God. He's asking, he's waiting. Who touched my robe? I love in verse 31, this is just, I love the disciples' reactions. This disciple said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Like, of all the miracles and amazing things recorded in the Bible that Jesus had done, I love that the disciples seem to be the most clueless about what he's actually doing. The guys that are super close up to him and seeing all of it, and it is so human, right? It is so Christian. We can go to church every weekend and we can be so up close to God and reading our Bibles and praying and yet miss God's power. Come on, disciples. This woman has a reach. She just wants to touch your robe and she knows she'll be healed. Verse 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33, Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Frightened and trembling, realizing, I put my faith in him. Not frightened of him. He had her, he he saw her in that moment when no one else would. This took incredible courage. Verse 34 And he said to her, get away from me, you're unclean, ew. No. He said to her daughter, restored her dignity in that moment, talked to her like a a person of value in front of the whole crowd. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. And her life was amazing from here on out. And that's it. She went to heaven and it was great. End of story happily ever after. Y'all know that's not real, right? Y'all know that you don't get one trouble per lifetime. Y'all know that you can't just read the scripture and go, wow, she is cured of her bleeding and she's done. Never an outcast again. People believed what Jesus had done to. They accepted her back in. There was a huge parade. It's wrong because this is life. She's a real person who had to live through a miracle into whatever the next thing is. Because you know in real life, right, that you're either coming out of a crisis or going into one or you're in one. That's life. In this life, you will have trouble. The Bible isn't a fairy tale, and we don't get just one trouble per lifetime. What can we learn from this unnamed woman? We can learn how to exercise our faith. We can learn to not look for quick fixes or Photoshop. We can look for way, we can look away from the numbing of our pain through substances or addictions, we cannot isolate, we can actually reach. Moms, are you listening to 
you don't have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Look at that word for just a minute, faith. I love this word. I preach on it a lot because it just speaks to my heart every day. This word in the Greek is pistis, and it means not to have a notion about God, not to just believe in him. I believe in him. I asked him into my heart, and I'm good. Pistis means to trustingly obey. This is a daily exercise of faith. Having faith isn't believing in God, that we get the blessings and that we have, we arrive in heaven one day and it's all good. Faith is daily living it with complete trust in God because life has trouble. I Googled this week, ugh, why did Google? Like, I Googled this week, what's a common response to crisis? Want to see some common responses to crisis? Shock or denial, anger or irritability, feelings of hopelessness, depression, fear and anxiety, mood changes, numbness, guilt, and grief. These are the common responses to a crisis. Common, normal. This is what regular people do when a crisis occurs. So I Googled, what are the uncommon responses to (laughs) crisis? There aren't any, but uncommon responses, in my opinion, are faith, surrender, and trust. They have, you have no power over those. Those are all God's power. That's an uncommon response, not to control, but to trust. So moms here on Mother's Day, you're just trying to keep it all together. This is a reminder that your children aren't yours, they're his. You can release them. Maybe they're wayward. Maybe they're difficult. Maybe they're angelic and you worry for them. That is a constant for us moms. Worry. Why is that? That's part of the birthing, I swear, is fear. You can reach out to Jesus to be your savior daily and trust him. Or women who are listening right now, all women in this audience, all women at home as you're listening, and you're longing for a partner or a child or a a, a best friend or a healing from insecurity or heartbreak or anxiety or betrayal, and you're just like, God, please, I have been suffering. Reach to Jesus. Put your trust in him. Gentlemen, you're not exempt, even though it's Mother's Day. You got work to do, by the way. There might be Mother's Day cards in the bathroom. No, I'm just kidding. We did that at a church I worked at one time. I don't know if it worked or not. But men, I want to say this to you. I want to say this to my brothers. I have all brothers growing up. I've got a husband. I've got little boys I'm raising. And I know that when you suffer, you suffer alone. You can't do this all alone. The pressure and the stress to provide, to achieve, to be accepted for who you really are. The need for good friends, to be your real self. The need to not hide, the need for adventure, the need to drop your front man act and just be real and have emotions. Reach for your savior, trust in him. 
He sees you just like he sees that woman and just like he saw Jairus. Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Go in peace. Life is trouble. It's a mess. It's not anchored. It's messy. And it's because of choices that we make. And it's because of choices that others make. And it's because of circumstances that occur around us. And we need peace. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well, but go in peace. Peace, you guys. I want you to see this. Peace is freedom. Peace is tranquility. Peace is wholeness, shalom. Only, you can only get this from, from God. Peace is a time without wars. Maybe you're experiencing a war in your family right now, or in your marriage, in your workplace, in your mind, and we need peace. Jesus told his disciples right before he ascended, as he was reminding them before he was going to be crucified and, and rise again, he was reminding them that even after he leaves, he wanted to assure them that he was going to give them peace. I love this. John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. This is gold. He's not leaving. I'm leaving you my trust and my, my million-dollar trust, and I'm leaving you set up so you've got this title and position so everybody's going to respect you. No, I leave you with a gift, and it's called peace of mind and heart. And it's a gift that the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. God promises to guard our hearts. He promises to guard our minds. Of the wars that are happening, he promises to give us peace as we trustingly obey. We work out our faith every single day, just like this woman who happened to have a miracle in her life. And some of us have happened to have miracles so let me just end with this. My best friend was struggling. And when she struggles, she loves to get a whiskey nightcap and a bath. I don't know if that's appropriate to say here in church, but that's how she deals with stuff. But there was, she, was, she has a stepdaughter that was tormenting her. Um, she was failing in school and taking out on her. And um, it was chaos in the home. And she also was really stressed about work. She's the breadwinner of her home, my best friend is. And she was hating her life at work because she was being tormented at work and she was hating life at home and she was struggling. And before she went to grab her whiskey, somebody had handed her her great-grandma Vera's Bible. And so great-grandma Vera just passed away, 89 years old. This woman was like a Mother Teresa. She actually founded um, Sunshine Acres. It's a foster home in Phoenix area. It's fostered over 1,500 parentless children. She had five of her own kids, tons of grandkids. This woman is legit. And so my friend Amanda opens up the Bible. She, I think she did it in the bath, but she took pictures and sent these to me and wanted to share this epiphany that she had as she was going through these major struggles in her life. And I want to show you these pictures that she sent me from Grandma Vera. Can we all learn from Grandma Vera right now? Okay. So first picture, I'm just going to read what it says. It says, I am learning more each day about waiting for God's timing and not to worry about anything. 
Hold up, at 89 years old, you don't arrive at faith and peace and it's all good. You understand that it's about waiting on God's timing, that this is still something that you do every single day as you have patience and faith and you allow him to be your peace. Look at this other one, bless her heart, by the way. <laughs> I am learning more and more as I grow older to cast all of my cares on Jesus. He's told us over and over again in his word, this. This is pistis. This is not one and done. It's faith. And it heals your life through Jesus and his peace. Faith is living daily with complete trust in God. And I know that I'm going to keep learning this. I pray that you keep learning this to 89 and 109. And I pray that you all have a blessed Mother's Day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. God, thank you for these women who can teach us some things in life. Great Grandma Vera and this bleeding woman who has no name. But Lord, women who are seeking to be close to you. Women who are seeking and putting all their trust in you. Lord, may we learn uh, how to do this every single day. To trust, to open our hands, and allow you to give us peace in all things. We thank you for mothers. We thank you for mothering. We thank you for this church and for Dan as the leader here, and pray that you just bless everyone who exits today in Jesus' name. Amen.